Welcome to Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise and brought to you by Anchor. Download the free Anchor app and listen to Beers, Business, and Balls and thousands of other podcasts. This is episode 54, Jake Zimmer and Will Tondo. And are we merch guys now? We've got some merch on our site. Merch is up. Shout out to Squad Locker. We're going to talk about them a little bit later on in the show. But we have some great, great concepts coming out to you in the coming days or weeks. We'll release some more information after that. But we are in the July midst of it. I mean, 4th of July right behind us, another rainy wash. We are back into the mix. A lot of great guests coming up, including the one today, Andy Katz. Oh, yeah. Andy Katz, the host of March Madness. What a guy. The face of March. I mean, we are collecting them up in the college hoops world. I mean... The Mount Rushmore so far of college hoop guests. Goodman, Fanta, Andy Katz. Who rounds it out? That's three. Jared Grasso. That's true. Yeah, you put him up there. I like that. That's a squad. That's a very good squad for just college basketball guys. And then, I don't know. Who even rounds that out normally? Like, can we get someone from ESPN or something that's like... ESPN would be nice. ESPN would be nice. Technically, Andy Katz and Goodman. They're yeah. both ESPN guys. Um, we talk a lot with Andy about college basketball, but we also talk with him about sports in general. The name, image, and likeness stuff is going to be big these next couple of weeks and years, and we've got some guests to break that down. You know, We have a good conversation about how college athletes can profit off of themselves with Andy, and then over the next couple of weeks, just to keep you, you know, keep your appetite wet, we've got that conversation's not over for sure. Uh, name, image, and likeness in college hoops and beyond. People can make money off their their, their self now, which is really cool. Um, and we have a good conversation about that with Andy um, today, but we've got to start with some beer, as we always do. Had a lot of beer this weekend, that's for sure. It's nice out. Rain won't stop us anymore. We are out to play. Yes, yes. A lot of great beer, so let's start off the cheers. Um, what was I having? I mean, the past couple weeks has been a lot of different paces from Long Island to Cape Cod to Boston, some Providence, Rhode Island stuff, a wide variety. But I'm going to tone it into, it's actually funny, I drank it in Rhode Island, but it's a Maine beer from Maine Beer Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of their go-tos, lunch. I mean, it was juicy and flavorful as it gets, the same old, same old, but it's still refreshing on the tap, whatever bar or restaurant you might be at. I was at Parkside in Providence. They had it there phenomenal i gave it a four out of five uh if you haven't had it you can pretty much get it at all the you know uppity up bougie places or the the wannabe bougie places but there's a lot of great stuff all throughout new england but four out of five for me bonus beer though bonus beer at italy in boston i had myself a peroni there's nothing like a nothing like a crisp peroni with some brick oven pizza some burrata it was 10 out of 10. I'm going to give, you know, the shameless plug for the Peroni. <laughs> great, great Italian beer. There's just like, that's one of those beers that you're in an Italian restaurant and they're listing the drafts and they get to Peroni and you're just like, fuck it, stop. Yeah. I'm having a Peroni. Oh yeah. Either that or like a Stella. That reminds me, you know, if you have a, if you see a Stella Artois, that's one of those beers that you're like, fuck it. I'm in the mood for a Stella with, you know, like, like pasta or mm-hmm. chicken or my steak or something I'm getting in. Yeah. It's kind of like the equivalent to in the outside world, like outside domestic beers, but it's not domestic, but Heineken. No, Heineken in a bottle. Okay. Those always just like, you know, like I would say that that's like the superior of like if you're 
outside on the beach, if you're at a barbecue, if you're at like an outdoor party, a Heineken is a go-to. <laughs> Inside, a draft Peroni. Oh my god. Yeah, like a cold Heineken in a in a bottle though. Yeah, in a bottle. Has a bottle. to be in a bottle or sometimes on draft. Not in a can unless no you're can. at like a You can have a Heineken can if you're at like a baseball game, maybe the keg, maybe the mini keg. Uh, that's oh, yeah, that's true. That's uh, the mini keg is like man that gives me beach vibe beach vibes mm-hmm. wow i can't speak english today beach vibes i feel like you take a mini keg to the beach wow oh man. it's a move i, it's I love a move. peroni peroni and stella man uh maybe we'll just review a stella on here and we'll have to do it yeah uh, uh local and domestic uh face-off and stuff like that uh, yeah international international like, common be- i don't even know what the right term for that is like the set of international beers that just sold everywhere yeah in the u.s man all right tabling that that's good um i will review tributary brewing company you and I had this the other day, uh, stopped off at our good friends at Blackstone Valley Brewing Supplies. Go see them in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, all homebrew needs. It's a shameless plug. Uh, no free ads, Charlie. Um, walk in there to get some beer supplies for our newest beer. And he's like, hey, you guys want to try an Italian Pilsner? And you don't have to twist our arms for that. He gives us Affluente by a company, I think it was Kittery, Maine, um, tell you what, I don't really drink a ton of Pilsners out of the can. Mm-mm. That was good. That was a really good pilsner. I enjoyed pilsner. that, yeah. They did a nice job. They've been doing it for a couple of years. We were only like their, I don't know, their 40th or 50th check-in. It was definitely in the 50s. Yeah. yeah nothing higher, which is crazy uh, to think that only 50 people have checked that in. Um, I liked it a lot. The official number, 52. 52. 52. Were we 51 and 52? We must have been. Yep. We were the last. Man. Um, really good. It was clean. It was a very clean, easy drink. Um... I get this, like, again, this hangs with, like, other <clears throat> good draft pilsners. Like, this could hang... It honestly kind of tasted like a Stella. Yeah. Um, you know, very nice and easy. Beautiful color. You could see right through it. I think I gave this a 375. Um, there's, Con- like, a pilsner scale. Mm-hmm. Confirmed both 375s. Yes, perfect. There's, there's like, some scale on a Pilsner where you can only give it a certain amount. Like, I'm never giving a Pilsner a 425. Oh, no. It's blowing me away. Oh, no. Like, the only beers that are in that area, it, they have to be, like, IPAs or stouts, right? Yeah. Eh, sours, too, possibly. No, um, but nothing's, like, you. it's not a delicacy, but it's, like, just a nice little, like, guilty pleasure. Just a crisp Pilsner, like, once a year, a couple times a year at most. Yeah. It has a 3.7. Out of 52, I mean. Yeah, 52 ratings. I mean, that, that sounds about right. No one's given this like a, you know, you can give this a four if you really want yeah. to, but you can't, like, I, I nothing over that. No, no, no. Um, nice and cold, though. It's like there's a, a Pilsner when it's nice and cold in the summer is unbeatable. Um, yeah, 375. Uh, good good work by Tributary Brewing Company. Go see him in Kittery. Um, that is a cool place, it seems like. So that's beer. And they're sticking with the Italian, you know. Yes, they, they are. They, the Italian theme, I guess, of the week. <laughs> I mean... Shameless plug for ball segment, but uh, it came Rome. It came Rome. It came <laughs> this, Rome. This is the Italy podcast today. Okay, fucking Italy wins the Euro twenty twenties, upsetting England at home, Wembley Stadium. Who is there? David Beckham, mm. the Prince and the Duchess. What's his name? Uh, Henry. I, I don't even know anymore. With I've, the little boy. <laughs> I, I don't even know anymore. I've so I've like stopped. 
keeping up with the the crown. Like yeah. I don't know what the hell's going on across the pond. Neither here nor there. It was like there was some there <laughs> was some not there was some faces at that and Italy yeah. upset them, so it came Rome. It came Rome, and I don't know that Andy Katz signed up to be on an Italy podcast, mm. but here he is. Um, <laughs> so he said same shameless Paul's shameless plug for the balls segment. Uh, we'll do some rapid fire stuff, but again, Andy Katz, host of March Madness, is here with us today, among many other things, which is really cool. We talk some Shaq, among a lot of other stuff. Uh, let's do business real quick. Real quick, yep. Virgin Galactic goes to space. <laughs> I got a text today. Hey, you watching the launch? And I go, what launch could Completely there possibly be? Completely missed it. Oh, Completely yeah. Completely missed it. We whiffed there. Who would have thought Richard Branson's going to space? I mean, that makes sense because it's Richard Branson. He can do whatever he wants because he has so much money. But he took a flight. It went 290,000 feet into the atmosphere today, which is technically enough for space. So that was a project that him and Elon were collaborating mm-hmm. on for a long time. And I, like, I feel... That's just such a foreign world to me. That and like fights, basically. I'm like, oh shit, that fights this weekend. It's like, oh my god, that launches this weekend too. No idea. Well, the crazy part is that the fights are more promoted than the launch of this. I know. Isn't that kind of crazy that our world and like, and we're people that like stay up with the news and stay up with the times and stuff, but we heard more about the McGregor Poirier fight than a Virgin Galactic CEO and founder. Going to space. Like one of the richest men alive. Hanging out with Elon Musk before, right before the lunch, he got breakfast and they just shot the shit and they're like, hey, any advice? <laughs> like, good luck, dude. Just ride. This is amazing for the science community, the tech world. Like, this is some crazy stuff. And all we heard about was McGregor fighting Poirier for the third time. That is... <laughs> so that's crazy. He. This is the last test flight before... They're both comfortable saying, all right, you know, let's send some commercial passengers to space, which eventually is what Jeff Bezos will do. It's what a few others will do, uh, the rich folks. And Richard Branson, I don't know how he, like, why would he sign himself up for that? Is he that, like, just out of the box that he's like, I'm going to go to space? He's just that confident. He's, yeah, I guess. He is just that confident with the the business, the mind of it, everything, I mean. He wasn't going to go up that up there if there was any risk. Oh, no, no, no. We're not going to have another Apollo crash with like a teacher like passes away on live television. You can't have that. He he knew that he knew what he was signing up for and it delivered. I mean, we're going to look at the stock price right now. It, it it's it's down 7.5% in the past 5 days right now, mm-hmm. hovering around 4920. Um hopefully, you know, at the start of the week you know, Monday when it comes, this news is still fresh. It's coming out this week. It'll bump it up. But over the past over the past month, it's up 34.8%. Past I mean, six, yeah. 84.5. Year to date, almost 112%. This is a buy the dip moment is the question. It might be a buy the dip moment. With Virgin Galactic. Um, I mean, you have to think naturally in the next couple of weeks, they'll release some statement that says, oh, you know, we've completed this mission. We're optimistic that we're going to get... Um, asses in the chairs by X date. And for me, I mean, that that would strike me as good news. Um, that, now you're going to have the the other side say, well, you know, that's not soon enough. They're going to get beat by XYZ competitor. Um, who knows? So this is really cool. This is like, I'm very excited to see Jeff Bezos going to space and then all the other rich people are going to be like, well, fuck, I want to go to Jeff. Uh, I want to go to yeah. space with Jeff Bezos. And 
I don't know. I'm excited for this stuff. No, definitely. And I mean, speaking of the rich people, let's talk to Amazon. Mm -hmm. I mean, Amazon. That's a perfect segue to the Perfect segue. Uh, As you know, Jeff Bezos, he has stepped down from the CEO position, but he'll still remain within the company. I believe it's an advisory role or something on the chair, uh, chairman of the board. But new CEO, Andy Jassy. Jassy? Yeah, we talked about... Didn't we talk about him like in an early, early, early episode? Early, I'm getting weird flashbacks to that. And now Andy Jassy, he's been with Amazon for a while. while. And while. he's the natural heir to the throne. And all of a sudden, you know, he's in... He's thrown right into a guy... Into a position that puts him within shot of like being one of the richest men in a few years. Yeah, I mean, he has been the president and CEO of Amazon Web Services since 2003. Mm. Um, so he's obviously been Bezos's right-hand man or number two in charge in some way, shape, or form. So this will be a great move, I think. Uh, Amazon's just slowly taking over the world. I mean, we know that, but Yeah, they said four things to know about him. So obviously we touched upon the 24 years that he's worked at Amazon. Um, Rose through the ranks, pretty much like we mentioned with the Amazon Web Services. big. Big into the attention of detail, ambition, and directness. I mean, that's kind of like a cookie-cutter answer. So interesting move by Amazon. Mm. And he'll be responsible for spearheading Amazon's uh, thrower chat of... Excuse me. (laughs) He'll be responsible for spearheading Amazon through a challenging period with regulators and critics of its labor and environment practices. Yeah, so, all right, I get it. Mm. That, well, that's the main concerns with Amazon right now, but that's why people are blowing them up. They're yeah. like, yeah, hey, you don't, like, it, it's what kind of what they're doing with Shein, right? That fucking consumer company that girls buy clothes off of, they're like, oh, shit, you, like, have child labor workers make this, right? Um, and with Amazon, it's like, Hey, you don't pay your workers enough. They're fucking like beyond pissed with you. But then you see all the, like the other side of it too. It's like, Oh, Amazon's like a cool place. It's like full of money if you just work hard. Yeah. But yeah, that's that nasty other side of the front lines. There's always the other side. The critics are very loud about Amazon for as many people as there are, you know, saying Amazon's going to change the world, which undoubtedly they have. It's, you know, the critics are speaking loud and they want like, they're calling for Jeff Bezos' job in the first place before he even stepped down. And he's probably, it's a combination of, oh shit, I'm getting old. What else do I have to prove? And oh my God, I'm getting blown up. But he also has like the stupidest amount of money. He's like, he oh can, my god, he's the most wealthy person alive right now. Like basically, can, oh man, he is. He's not done. He's, no, he's not. He's not done. Well, he's going to space. He's not. He definitely ain't done. He's not done. Maybe he'll just go a little bit higher. And be like, just get me off this fucking planet. <laughs> get take me to Mars, so I can just hang with Elon. Yeah. We haven't seen the last of Jeff Bezos. Uh, speaking of a guy that we did not know what we saw the last of. You ready for who's back? Who's Anthony Scaramucci. The Mooch. The Mooch. The Mooch has... He's been making, like, quiet news this week because apparently he has a fuck ton of money in Ethereum. (laughs) And he has, like, one of the largest amounts of cash in Ethereum, like, of anyone in the U.S. (laughs) Who would have thought we say that sentence? Anthony Scaramucci? My God. The freaking Mooch. This guy. I mean, (sighs) you say who's back of the week. The Mooch? No. Who's back of the week for this podcast is crypto. And yet again, we are somehow talking <laughs> oh, about no, it. No, no, Crazy. I mean, his... <laughs> I'm just reading some of this stuff. I mean, he is... He's, this the guy's first a nut trust job. Skybridge crypto leaders ETF'd. 
will not invest in digital assets or cryptocurrency directly, but will invest up to 80% of its assets in companies involved with that digital asset ecosystem. So he's just pumping it up and then probably on the side investing in Bitcoin. So it just goes up with him. He's just going to be making more money. Yeah. So this guy, he's. I'm taking this from CoinDesk right now, a pretty popular uh, crypto resource. It says, Scaramucci previewed the fund's existence on a recent podcast, but declined at the time to elaborate. The new documents were reviewed by CoinDesk. Add some detail. Did this dude just blow himself up on a podcast? Was he like, oh shit, yeah, like I have, I'm really into crypto, like I have all this fund. And then one guy comes along with a solitary investor, 5.7 million in the first week of this investment vehicle. And he's not, his lips are tight. He's not saying who that investor is. No. I mean, he did mention that Morgan Stanley bought into Skybridge Digital Assets portfolio and even claimed that it's a very big part of the venue capital firm's business. That was on Bazinga.com. This is, uh, I don't know. I genuinely don't know what to think. Like, is here's a thought. Total long shot. Is Donald Trump putting six million bucks in here? He... (laughs) Like, uh, you got to think it's one of those things. Trump probably wasn't touching crypto when he was the president of the United States. Could he be like, oh, shit, I need to get into crypto. Fucking Anthony Scaramucci has an investment fund. I'm going to hop in. We are diving deep into some conspiracy theories right now. I'm Listen, is that uh, do we we can't count that out. No, that's a big (laughs) conspiracy theory, but big, big and weird conspiracy (laughs) theory. This dude, he was he's such a goofball. Oh, yeah. The mooch. Oh, man. And and now we wait. And now we wait. <laughs> now we wait for Anthony Scaramucci to, to come out and say who invested in this. Um, I'm going to say Donald Trump. I do think it is. I don't know. Only time's going to tell there. Um, what else? Business business world has been captured. Yeah. Um, if you got fun business stories, send them our way, of course. Uh, let's talk some basketball. It is Andy Katz. He has worn so many hats. He was one of the OG ESPN guys when ESPN.com started. He was writing. He was vlogging, doing a bunch of stuff. Part of the layoffs in 2017, which we'll talk about. And now he's doing really great work for Fox, the Big Ten uh, Network, and the host of the March Madness 365 podcast. So here he is, a Rhode Islander, Andy Katz. All right, everybody. With us this week... A very familiar face, the face of March, the face of college basketball, reporter, host of March Madness, host of the March Madness 365 podcast, a broadcaster on Fox Sports and the Big Ten Network, Andy Katz joins us today. Andy, thank you so much for coming on the show, and how are you doing? Uh, All is well. Um, Getting ready for the NBA draft, a little NBA TV uh, later this month, and was at the Combine a couple of weeks ago. We just had the July 7th early entry withdrawal deadline from the NBA draft. So uh, put out our new Power 36 on March Madness uh, with UCLA number one after Johnny Juzang announced that he's coming back. So a lot of good names are coming back to college basketball, which uh, is a good thing um, because I think people are finally getting the message that um, not just about getting picked. A lot of these guys, not you or I, can get picked. But the question is, can they stick? And um, that's what they have to make that decision and get good advice about sticking, not just getting picked. And I think we're seeing more mature, more informed decisions over the last couple of years. Right on, right on. And we're going to dive into your uh, 
the picks that you made as well, because we got some some questions, is also some uh, some comments on maybe some people that we should raise up on the list. But you're the expert, and we are not. Uh, we're gonna dive into the Big J journalism right here. You know, many of people have seen you all over TV, all over the internet, but most recently during March Madness, you were down in Atlanta, part of the TNT crew. Did Shaq ever say anything to you for taking his chair alongside with uh, Ernie, Kenny the Jet, and Charles Barkley? Uh, no, non-issue because he doesn't do the NCAA tournament. So there we go. I did. I did work in his. I mean, I did sort of work out of his. Uh, the I don't know if I'd say office, but the little room that they give him. Um, so I did see his giant slippers and a couple other things there. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, he doesn't do the tournament. So I mean, technically, I was in his seat. But he doesn't and hasn't done the NCAA tournament. I don't know what that decision was or when that was made. But, um, you know, this was clearly a COVID thing uh, where normally Ernie and Kenny and Charles are in New York. And uh, there's sort of uh, rotating between the two groups. Um, and then they have a different group of people that are in Atlanta for the late night stuff on True and T and TBS and they made the decision that they weren't going to do that this year that they were going to split the crews one in Atlanta one in New York and they wanted a uh, college presence obviously Seth Davis does the CBS stuff and so um, you know I work for Turner and NCA which is uh, sort of one and the same out of Atlanta so it was just natural that uh, they felt that I should join them and had a blast and they were awesome and, um, you know, I'd met them before, but just had work with them like that. But they were unbelievable. And I hope it's uh, the first of many. So the air is cleared. No beef with Shaq. We, we love that. Um, Andy, we'll no, take us back to... Nothing to do with, you know... Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. He doesn't touch it. So he's probably... <laughs> did you take his giant slippers or no? No, of course not. <laughs> had to ask. They're still there. So they're still in the room. That's That's, that's great. Um, oh, yeah. No, he's been, he, he's been wearing them. I saw, you know, many times on, on NCAA coverage. <laughs> oh, of course. Um, let's let's go I mean, back. See, NBA coverage, NBA coverage, excuse me. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Let's go back to when you were growing up and you were, you know, a kid growing up in the greater Boston area. Um, is this what you knew you wanted to do? Like, you know, was it more of an attraction to basketball or journalism or, or both? And what it was the dream for you growing up as that kid uh, in Boston? Uh, yeah, the answer is yes. Uh, but my dream was just to work at the Boston Globe. Um, which I never did, but that was my dream. That was my dream job, um, to work for the newspaper that was delivered, you know, to my doorstep. Um, I grew up in a great era in the eighties in Boston with Peter Gammons doing baseball, you know, Bob Ryan on the Celtics and Shaughnessy on the Red Sox. Um, uh, the, um, why am I drawing a blank? The elder McDonough um, was on the NFL and the Patriots, uh, who has since passed away. Um, you know, Sean's father. And um, uh, it was the sort of the glory times of the Boston Globe. And that, that was my dream, was to cover Boston sports teams. Um, you know, if, if I could ever cover the Celtics or the Red Sox, that was what I wanted to do. And then obviously, you know, <laughs> things change and go in different directions, but I, I still stayed true to, to journalism and sports at the, in the end. 
Right. And were there anybody in particular, you know, you mentioned a few names that, you know, you idolized in that, in the Will McDonough, excuse me, Will McDonough. I don't know why. Uh, (laughs) There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Was there anybody in particular that gave you advice or, you know, you looked up to and was like, I just want to be like them. I want to emulate, you know, their path or just any friendly faces in the world that just helped you to get you where you are today. You know, um, I would say that, I, I mean, I didn't really, I mean, I, I didn't lean on people. I've had great friends in, in this business. I mean, Mike DeCourcy has been a great friend of mine, you know, for 25 years. Um, you know, I, I do think that one thing that Bob Ryan told me when I had a chance to meet him was, you know, to, to have your own voice. And I always thought that you want to, if you talk to someone, you want that to be, you know, the same person that you're reading or hearing on the air. And, you know, that's not necessarily the case if you're reading a novel, okay? Um, you want, obviously, different alliteration. So a novelist is not going to necessarily speak the way they write. But that's it's different in, I think, in journalism that you want, you want to have your voice you know, come out, and um, and and that's really what I wanted to convey, and and I hope that I have over the years, um, you know, to be able to do so. So that 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 was one thing I always remember. Um, you know, like like anything, I mean, life takes twists and turns. It wasn't a clear path. You know, I was in Albuquerque. I was in Fresno. There were multiple times where I wasn't sure if I was going to stick it out before I got to ESPN, uh, other options that I was considering at the time, was it gonna happen? I applied to newspapers all over the country. I got rejected all over the country uh, before you know, things worked in my favor to get to ESPN. And then even at ESPN, you know, uh, one great thing that I think ESPN afforded me and, and many others that I don't know if it necessarily does now, and I hope they still will if they have gotten away from this is, you know, there was there was room for growth and there was room for the ability to do a lot of the things. I mean, you know, once I got to ESPN, one of my dreams was to host OTL, which, you know, at the time was, I thought, the best sports journalism show around. And I got to do that for three years where I backed up Bob Lee. And so that that was a career highlight for me, you know, being able to do that. Um and, you know, obviously the show is not on the air in the same way it used to be, but I got to do it. And that was a career goal that I was able to achieve. So ESPN too, everybody knows your work from ESPN. You made a 17 or 18 year career there. And then um, a couple of years ago, one of the biggest layoffs really that we've seen in, in sports media at the time um, occurred. And you were unfortunately one of the victims of, you know, many different ESPN employees so when that happened back in 2017 you know what was going through your mind originally and you know having that chapter of your life closed what were some of the things that you were thinking about well I mean everyone deals with things like that differently I can only speak from my own experience you know I was completely caught off guard Um, I just didn't imagine any way that it would be me you know, after 18 years and everything I had done and eight years of Obama and, um, 
you know, that the, the difference also was they didn't replace me. Um, you know, they just got rid of essentially my position and they still haven't replaced the position. Um, but um, I never thought it w- made sense to be angry and to, and to show that anger publicly. Um, and by doing so, hurting your career potentially. Um, you know, so I, I mean, I was hurt. Uh, like just, you know, really hurt. And, you know, thankfully I've never been divorced. Um, and, uh, you know, married to my wife for, believe it or not, 27 years. And uh, we met in Albuquerque. And, but I mean, I liken it to that, you know, to someone just basically walking in one day and saying, I don't love you anymore. Like it just, it was just a shock. And, uh, uh, but then of course you get the whole thing, like, you know, not you, it had nothing to do with you. And, and, you know, I, and I don't think it did. I don't think I, you know, cause I know I didn't do anything wrong. It was strictly a financial decision. They got rid of a hundred of us. Um, and they wiped out a lot of money and did a tax write off. And, um, you know, obviously I think they're lesser for it because they got rid of a ton of experience and I believe relationships matter, but, um, I feel great right now. Um, I don't have any bitterness toward them because I don't, I, I had 18 great years and I just said, I mean, I did great things and I hold my head high and I would put what I did there from the beginning against anyone. I think I feel like, you know, I helped create sort of a bit of a trend because when I got there, sports specific reporters, there was only a handful. There was David Aldridge doing the NBA, uh, John Clayton doing the NFL with Chris Mortensen. This is pre Adam Schefter. And then um, Peter Gammons was doing baseball. Uh, there was no one doing college football, no one doing the NHL, which we had at the time. Uh, and me. And that was it. And uh, that was the fall of 99. And so, um, you know, think about what's happened since then. Uh, and so I feel really good about everything like that. And look, I'm, I, I love my situation now. All the work I've been doing for Turner and NCAA to March Madness and Big Ten Network and March and Fox Sports and now a little NBA TV. I mean, I just really love the people I'm working with. And I'll tell you the other thing that you find is true in this business is that you end up working with a lot of the same people. I mean, there are a ton of people at Big Ten Network who worked at ESPN, uh, same at Fox, um, and actual camera crews. You know, when I started, we used to have like ESPN camera people. Um, but since then it's now just everyone's freelance in terms of you know camera crews so i mean i when i was in chicago i worked with a crew that works with the turner people they work with espn they work with nbc and so it ends up being a very small world that you end up working with no of course and i mean it's definitely it was you know Obviously, we we weren't we are not in your shoes, but it was a you know a difficult time. But you persevered through it, and you made some incredible opportunities for yourself in the present. Going back to your time at ESPN and throughout your entire career, though, were there any particular moments that really stuck out to you that just have a little special place in your heart? I know you mentioned um, being able to go on OTL, and then you also mentioned making the brackets with uh, President Obama. Was there anything in particular that we were just like, wow, you know, pinch me moment, I'm doing this, and this is pretty awesome? Well, I mean, so obviously the eight years of Obama, 
post an OTL. Um, I loved doing the Armed Forces Classic games. I mean, it gave me the chance to, um, you know, I, I'd been to Europe, but to go to Germany in that instance, but I had never been to Asia and I went to Japan and Korea. Um, so those were great highlight moments. Um, the, the rush early on in those first like five to 10 years, when we had like a buzz of a newsroom and when stories were being broken and, you know, you go in the newsroom. I mean, it just had that great feel that, which by the way, sidebar here, I do worry about in journalism, not just at ESPN, but newspapers, as we become much more remote, which is something that I think will continue for cost and all that. Um, I do worry that you're going to lose a lot of that, that chemistry and camaraderie that you get with breaking stories. And I, I used to love that kind of buzz where something like that would happen and you would, you know, create, um, you know, you call this source, I call that story. I don't know. It's just sort of old school. And I, so I have good memories about that. Uh, and then going through, like we used to call it the car wash and you'd go on every show known, you know, that they had when ESPN news was on all the time. And um, so that rush was always great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I've been fortunate to interview, a lot of people from, um, you know, LeBron on down. I was there with LeBron uh, at his first summer league in Vegas before his either freshman or sophomore. This is before the SI cover. Wow. We interviewed him at, at Durango High School. I was there with him at um, on lottery night in 2003. I was in Akron when uh, – you know, the Cavaliers got the number one pick. And so I was with him that night when we knew Cleveland was getting it. So, so obviously we knew it would be LeBron. So, you know, I think back to those things and, and now, you know, everything he's accomplished and I was there at the beginning. Uh, so I always, you know, some of that stuff is just cool to reflect back on. I don't feel old, but then when you think about it and you see people, some people that I started covering have already retired. It's kind of crazy. Or like now the kids are playing. You know, I mean, like I covered Frank Williams in Illinois and DeMonte Williams now is playing and he's going to be a fifth year senior, but, um, but I still feel young and, uh, but you know, it's been a, a great run and I feel like there's more to do. Yeah. And speaking of more to do, you, you're in the mix in a lot of different things. Now you've kept busy uh, working at Fox sports, you know, obviously your work with March Madness and the big 10 network. First of all, um, You've done some games with our buddy, John Fanta. He's a three-time guest of this show. The only one that exists. What, you know, what's the chemistry like when you guys are working together? How fun of a play-by-play guy is he to work with? Yeah. So, you know, you asked me who's mentored me and, um, you know, maybe I didn't give a good enough answer to that, but I, like John's someone that I wanted to mentor and I've, and I've definitely, I hope, I, I know he feels this way. I mean, I, you know, I try to advise him and I want him to succeed. And I, I first met him at the, um, I think it was the 2016 final four when Villanova was there and he was working for big East. I think he had recently graduated within a few years of that at from Seton hall. And, you know, I, I love hard workers. Uh, he definitely is sort of a bit of an old soul, you know, um, you don't realize that he's younger than he is. Uh, <laughs> And, um, you know, he's got an older voice, I think. Um, but he does a great job. He does his homework. Uh, he's not uh, afraid to do anything and go anywhere. Um, you know, he could 
get the opportunity to do a St. John's Georgetown game, great rivalry or something like that. And then he'll say, Hey, I'll volunteer and do, you know, field hockey or soccer or something. Like that. So he, he's not, he's humble. You know, everyone has an ego in this business. You need to, but at the same time, nothing seems to be below him. Um, and I think that's a great character and will serve him well going forward. Yeah, definitely. Will he's a, he's a good one. He's also the only person that has drank a full six pack on this show, I think too. <laughs> yeah, so you can add that to his resume. He's but... a mix of fun and, and seriousness. <laughs> he knows, he knows the line, but he's a, he's a great guy overall. And he's, you know, Christmas came early. It's just the line of the century. I <laughs> oh think. man. Yep. Who can forget? Um, you're podcasting as well, Andy, March Madness three, six, five. Um, and you've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of different coaches and people in the college basketball world. What are some of the moments that stick out there? You know, what, what do you think the best guests that you've had on or maybe a great conversation was? Oh, wow. Um, that may be unfair of a question to ask the face of college. Yeah, I mean, but. you know, I, I mean, I would just say that like, um, you know, first of all, uh, I'm very fortunate that, you know, I've, I've kept a lot of these relationships. Um, I thoroughly enjoy, you know, regardless whether it's, Coach K, Jim Beheim, or Paul Mills from or Oral Roberts. I mean, we sort of run the gamut. Um, you know, I'll, like, I'll tell you this. Like, so uh, one of my favorite people in my career, you know, there's no question. I have thoroughly enjoyed interacting with Sister Jean. And, <laughs> you know, she is, I hope we're all as sharp as that if we all live to be over 100. Uh, but. I mean, I just talked to her, you know, during this tournament run and she remembered me from four years before and, wow. uh, and, you know, just, she's just, uh, just a gem of a human being and, um, just been such a pleasure to interact with. So, uh, she's definitely one of my favorites. Uh, and we've talked to her, like I said, a number of times and, um, and, you know, like, you know, this is a great example of like relationships. So I was really close with Rick Majerus. Um, he was really great to me when I worked out West. Uh, and he was at Utah different times when I was either in New Mexico or Fresno. Uh, and I would just, I mean, we would talk late at night all the time about basketball. And he helped educate me even more. Uh, introduced me to a lot of different people. I mean, whenever I'd go to Salt Lake, we'd go out for like late night dinners, which he was famous for. And then like what you see is things spin off of that. You know, one of his assistants when he got to St. Louis, of course, was Porter Mosier. And, you know, Porter absolutely loves Rick. But like that kind of thing, that relationship is something that I've kept going, obviously, with Porter. You go back to 99, uh, when I just, that was my last year in Fresno, and total coincidence, I was in Seattle for that regional. So I'm with the Zags. They go down to Phoenix. And so I'm there at the beginning of their first Elite Eight. And that's how I start to get to know Mark, too. And, you know, I've had this great relationship with Mark for the last 20 years. Um, and so, that, you know, you never know how these things will pan out, who you'll end up, you know, you know continuing to, to deal with. Um, and, uh, you know, ultimately... <laughs> it will, I think, benefit you uh, if you continue to network like that. Right on. Yeah, no, I mean, you have 
you you touched upon it a lot and it's very important it's like the people you know in the past that you're going to cross it's like they will these people will be with you forever and the conversations you have with them are definitely very important so we appreciate you sharing um all your insight on that we want to dive into a topic that is very very new in not only college basketball but college sports as a whole the name image and likeliness topic that has been thrown around um so what are your personal thoughts on i mean i mean a couple of weeks ago or really a couple of days ago everything's kind of been finalized set in stone and it's been a free for all free for all of of players and and different athletes receiving money and endorsement deals and this whole new door of opportunities opening up like what are your personal thoughts on it well first off i think we're all learning right off the bat that and i think we're all guilty of it we meaning you know in the national media of assuming that this was just a men's basketball uh college football right mm -hmm. rule that would benefit um, you know, I'll admit, I did not know that the gymnast from LSU was probably the most followed college athlete in the country. I didn't know the twins from Fresno State um, because neither one of them were like national champions. And it doesn't really matter. Now, they have to have something, though, with them, whether it's they're talented or they're doing you know, dance on TikTok or they're engaging. There has to be something. Like, that's the one thing that will be very interesting to follow. I thought LaValle Morton from, uh, from uh, NC Central, he posted this, I retweeted it, which is like, at the end of the day, you still need to have something that's marketable. Uh, and it may just be that you just drop 40. Or, you know, um, how you present yourself, uh, you know, on Instagram or whatever, what, you know, if you're, it's your clothing line, whatever it is, you're going to have something. It's not just going to come to you. If you're just your basic offensive lineman in Alabama, and yeah, okay, you're in Alabama, but you're just another offensive lineman. I don't think that individual is going to benefit. Um, you know, so you still have to, it's still, it's still a meritocracy in some form or fashion. And I think we're going to see this initial wave, meaning, you know, from, July through, you know, the next couple months. And then things I think are going to settle down based on like what happens uh, in the fall and into the winter. Uh, you know, not everyone's going to get some great deal just because they're a college athlete. So uh, if now will people benefit if someone, you know, at, at uh, Texas Tech throws for 10 touchdowns, will that quarterback suddenly be a household name? Yeah, maybe. Um, but you know, we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out, um, as, uh, you know, as, as the fall and winter go into, I, I think the one big miss by the NCAA for years that I didn't, um, just thought it was just, it was, it was, you know, fighting a fight that made no sense, which was, you know, it, for example, my daughter goes to Northwestern. And she's a theater major. But my daughter can use Northwestern hypothetically and say, you know, she's going to teach voice lessons or acting lessons. And she can say her name with Northwestern. But a Northwestern basketball player prior to July 1st could not even in his hometown have a shooting camp with any promotional material that said he's a Northwestern basketball player. I mean, that's just ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like that, that. And I think. 
had they gone like that basic step, you know, if you were a violinist, whatever, you could do violin lessons because you're in the orchestra at BU. So like little things like that, I think could have solved some of this, not all of it, but like being so rigid on a couple of things like that, I think we're, we're self-defeating that now, uh, you know, I hope all those athletes can benefit from. Are your thoughts consistent what coaches and players have been telling you as well? Like, is that how most people in the community view this? Um, I don't think there's a universal thought. Um, you know, I think some people think there's this going to be this gold rush of money, which I don't. Uh, you know, look, I'm not in the business world, but I do know that there's not like a slush fund. And so if you are company X, you only allocate a certain amount of your budget for advertising or marketing. And so at some point, there's going to be a give and take. So if, let's say hypothetically, you know, Kentucky and Lexington, uh, I, I know that's probably not, we're past sort of the traditional car dealership days. But let's just say, for lack of a better example, you know, Lexington uh, Ford gives University of Kentucky $100,000. Well, that's probably their budget. So mm -hmm. now if they're going to give five players on Kentucky, you know, 10 grand each or whatever, and so that's 50 grand. Now they only have 50 grand to give to the university. And so now if the university is charging, you know, was charging the car company 100 grand for that scoreboard advertising, now the company's like, yeah, you know what? We're not going to do that now because we're giving 50 of the grand for the players. So we'll give you 50 and we'll see, you know, where you're going to put that 50, but we're not, we don't have the money to, to pay a hundred to you for the scoreboard and then another 50 for the five players. So like, that's going to be an interesting sort of give and take on how that plays out. And then I just saw one, I can't remember which school it was, but one of the schools in the South, you know, their local flagship radio station was going to um, pick five players and say, okay, these are the five players every week we're going to pay to come on the radio show. Okay, so which five is that? You yeah, know, if it's on a football team. If I'm a coach, even though you're technically not supposed to really get involved, I'd want a lineman, I'd want a running back, a quarterback, a, deep, a kicker. Like, I'd want to spread it out, you know, but what if it's only the five high-profile people, which is probably what the radio station would want. Now, suddenly, you know, are you going to have issues in the locker room with a lineman? I'm like, geez, mm. you know, I'm busting my tail in here, getting my head kicked in. And I get nothing. I get scratch, you know? So, like, that'll be interesting to see how that, that dynamic plays out as well. Yeah, I mean, we were discussing a couple of days ago when this all released on, like, what the impact it'll have inside of an organization or um, even at a team. I mean, we were just, like, joking. It's like, you know, what if a sandwich shop is, you know, paying for a player to advertise and go on social media and do all this stuff. And he's just walking around the gym every day, eating a, a, a meatball sandwich mm -hmm. and being like, this is a great sandwich from Subway. And it like becomes a distraction of some sorts. Like I'm curious to see how it will be balanced where it's like, listen, these players obviously are building their brand, but they also need to separate it a little bit as well when it comes to the practice and the preparation and you know how serious a coach may or may not be. Well, because to that point, the other day you still got to play well yeah or right. no really you. so you know I'll, can you imagine the day some player tells izzo uh yeah i can't come to practice today i got to do this shoot 
from my Instagram oh, page. God help the player. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in that instance, it would say, okay, fine, but you're not, you know, you're not starting against Purdue. So now he's, he's defeated, you know, he's hurt him, his own brand. Hmm. By now, suddenly he can't start because he was more concerned about his Instagram. So I would hope these guys are smart enough to realize, you know, the performance still comes first. And if you do well, then that other stuff will follow. Uh, and, and you would think that would be the way to think uh, in order to maximize both of those of those words. But the other thing too, by the way, um, you know, there's definitely uh, there's people out in the in this world that thinks, oh, they should be able to do anything they want. It's free market, blah blah blah. Well, there has to be some guardrails, and one of them is, you know, if Oklahoma's a Nike school, okay, then Oklahoma, you know, if you want to play in Oklahoma then you're not going to be endorsed by Adidas. Right. I mean, it's that simple. Like, if, if, if you being an Adidas guy is so important to you, then you better go to an Adidas school. Like, like that just makes business sense. And I totally get it from a Nike Oklahoma stance that's, that they would say. And I'll give you another one, BYU. So BYU, when you go to BYU, you know there's an honor code. So that means you're not going to be endorsing Alcohol, tobacco, caffeine, which I think they've relaxed a little bit, but um, like, you know, the deal, like you signed up to go to BYU. So don't be complaining like, hey, wait a minute, they're not letting me do this, uh, this ad for Coors Light. Well, no, you're at BYU. Those are the BYU rules. So that's the kind of thing where they're, whether they're whoever's, in, you know, whether there's real NCAA guardrails or not. There's going to be guardrails because of where you're actually attending and what, you know, who sponsors various sports, uh, you know, at that particular institution. This is going to be really interesting to follow over the years. And I'm sure, you know, obviously as the, the personality that you are, you'll probably be on top of it. Um, and, you know, talking with coaches and players on how this exactly affects them for this year and beyond. So looking forward to seeing that coverage for sure. Um, let's talk about what the people came for, right? Some, some Providence Friars basketball. Um, first of all, you've got to have some good moments with your friend, Ed Cooley. Uh, what is offhand your favorite Ed Cooley moment? Is it something he said to you? Maybe it's something in game. Um, you know, tell us about Ed Cooley from your perspective. I've known Ed for a long time when he's an assistant at BC. Um, no, I, I mean, you asked, you know, and these things sort of come to me as you, as you're talking. <laughs> One of my favorite stories was we did this sort of digital doc, if you will, in black and white. I went back to Ed's old stomping grounds in Providence where he grew up, um, you know, it was not an easy upbringing. Um, and uh, there was heartache, there was struggles, and his home is no more. I mean, literally, it's like an empty plot now. Um, and... You know, I, he's definitely like the mayor over there. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I just thoroughly enjoyed just being with him. And that was right after he got the job and came back. Um, because, as you guys know, I mean, it's not like a lot of, yes, there's been people, have, you know, very successful basketball people who have been, you know, either the head coach of Providence or played at Providence. Uh, but not many that actually are from Providence. And so, uh, you know, he is a, he's one of theirs. And that's why, yes, he could have gone, you know, I don't know if he definitely would have gotten Michigan. He certainly talked to them. 
and he certainly could go to one of these other gigs. But at the end of the day, I think it still will be very difficult for him to leave Providence because it's really in his blood. It, it would, and the I guess backlash is probably the wrong word that he'd face from from leaving. Is you know does that outweigh? You know, him going to seek out one of these other gigs is a question. I think you're right. You know, he's he's there forever until they drag him out of there. Um, speaking of the coaching staff, they just added somebody recently. LaDante Henton uh, announced as of today while we record this, coming back as an assistant coach. Um, what does a guy like Buckets bring to the table? I mean, he's just had so many positive Providence memories. Um, and, and from your knowledge and having covered PC while he played there, you know, what – what sticks out about Dante Henson to you? Well, I mean, I just think what this is a good sign because, you know, we're getting to that point now where you can have former Friar players come back and be part of the staff. And that's what you want. Um, and we're getting to that cycle right now where some of these guys have cycled out of their own professional careers all over the globe and want to come back. And I think that's, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, I think that's exactly what you want to have with your program. So I think it'll be great. I think he will, because they'll be passionate about, um, you know, about the program, about everything that, uh, that it represents. And you need that at PC, like you do at a lot of these other places. To close the book on the Big East, you obviously got Villanova way up on your, you know, your list and uh, your top 36. Who's going to compete with them this year in your eyes? You know, it might be a little too early to tell, but who's coming for that title and who's got the best chance to knock them off? Um, I think it's Xavier after that because they got pretty much everyone back. And then um, I think it's a total crapshoot where it could be Seton Hall. It could be I got some flack from St. John's because I've got to put them in under consideration, so I added them. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it, we'll have to wait and see this, you know, what, how Providence comes together. Um, you know, is, uh, you know, is Shaka going to, to invigorate a little bit more consistency at Marquette? Um, you know, I'd like to see, you know, it's unfortunate that the momentum – has been sort of stunted at Georgetown after winning the Big East. Mm. Uh, Wahab's transfer, I think, was a bit of a gut punch because, you know, I would have gone, I would have been much higher on the Hoyas uh, continuing that. And then, of course, well, I'm sorry, I just blanked on the other school that I have in my power 36, and that's UConn. Um, <laughs> you know, losing Buck, uh, Buck, uh, Book Knight, excuse me, you know, we knew that was going to happen. But I think what you'll see without him is more ball movement. Uh, defense is not is going to translate regardless who's playing there because Hurley's got them thinking that first. So I think that's all very positive right now uh, for UConn. So you know I still got to get back in my head that UConn's in the Big East. Sometimes when I'm talking like this, <laughs> right? You know, I, I, it takes me a couple minutes to remember. Oh wait a minute, UConn. So yes, UConn will be right up there, uh, probably two, Xavier three. Uh, and then some combination of Seton Hall, St. John's, Providence, Marquette, you know, in, in some order. Okay. Okay. I, I respect the list. Uh, you know, while we're still on the Rhode Island topic, um, you're friends with former coach Tim O'Shea, which we'll get into the, uh, the golfing in a little bit, but we are both Bryant University alumni, go Bulldogs. Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of realistic, okay. realistic expectations do you have for, uh, 
Grasso and the dogs. Well, look, I mean, yes, Tim and I have been friends for, you know, 20 plus years. Uh, so I became a Bryant fan in that regard because I'd watch all his games. Um, and, you know, I live in Newport, you know, you know, four months of the year. So I see him a lot. Um, and I think, you know, Grasso's definitely got the energy you needed at a school like Bryant. You guys know that. Uh, and the NEC is a bizarre league in that it's got like just a sort of mishmash of teams, um, weird road trips to Latrobe, Pennsylvania and the, and the woods of Maryland, um, you know, for Mount St. Mary's. Uh, and then like the city schools, it's sort of just this weird mishmash of schools. I was going to say, you don't and, like going to Gaithersburg, Maryland to go see Mount? Come on, man. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no question that if you have consistency there, you should be able to win it um, or, you know, compete for the title. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that that uh, Bryant has the resources to do that. Um, and, um, you know, they got to take some chances. I mean, they're not going to get in large, but it, it'd be great to see Bryant. You know, Tim did a little of that toward the end where he'd play some of those games um, where at least maybe get a couple of TV hits. You know, they played Pitt on an ESPNU game. Um, Another big one they had. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Um, yeah, yeah, they've had Entry State over the years yeah. and, you know, Maryland yeah, and yeah, Rutgers. They, and, opened uh, yeah, obviously he played BC. Yeah, um, and Rutgers on BTN uh, a couple of years ago too. Yes, yes. So all that stuff helps in terms of just creating a little bit more of an identity. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, we're, we're hoping. So they've got everybody back. We're hoping for a good year. You know, I was one of the few people in the building when they lost a mountain at NEC Championship on ESPN. That was a tough blow, but, you know. Yeah, you got to be optimistic about them. And, and like you said, Gross has got a lot of energy. So liking what we're seeing there. Um, let's talk about the NBA draft real quick before we uh, kind of start wrapping things up. You mentioned it, the general kind of aura in the league right now is who's going to stick, right? Who's going to stick in the NBA instead of just getting picked high, you know, maybe contributing because they're pure athleticism and then move on, right? You know, end up being a career G League or go abroad. So maybe just throw out a couple of guys that you think are really going to stick in this league. You know, what makes Cade Cunningham so attractive in that number one spot versus maybe like someone like a Jalen Suggs who people are kind of questioning, all right, what ability is he going to have? Um, who are some of those guys that that's, you think have the potential to stick around long-term in the NBA? Well, I mean, first of all, you can't go wrong with either one of those two. Right. Right. I get Cade's going to go one because of his size over, um, Suggs, but I absolutely love Jalen Suggs. I mean, you clearly can see, we talked about this a lot in the air, that he was a former quarterback. He's got unbelievable court vision, love the way he can pass. And so the really, I just think because of the, the couple inches Kate Cunningham has on him, that's the reason he's getting in to go one and, and Suggs will go somewhere between two to four, depending upon what the needs, you know, of those teams. Um, but, I, you know, I think it's a big mistake if Suggs drops too far. Uh, so, you know, I think both those guys have star potential. Um, you know, I, I love winners and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hold out and think that I would assume is going to find a way to, to be, uh, one of these guys that's going to end up sticking, uh, and make big shots. Um, you know, think about the kind of guys that are having great success, you know, the Chris Middleton 
Um, you know, last year in the bubble, Bam Adebayo. Uh, these players that, well, yes, okay, they went to Power Five schools in A and M and Kentucky, but they weren't on. I mean, even Devin Booker, you know, was not, you know, the the first option. And um, you know, obviously, their work ethic is tremendous. Um, you know, Marcus Smart's another great example of that. Everything that he did, you know, for uh, coming out of Oklahoma State, and he's been the glue, you know, for um, for the Celtics for years. Jay Crowder, another great example of that, you know, was not the number one option at Marquette. And look what he's done wherever he's been uh, in the NBA. Uh, you know, I, like I think Corey Kispert, as long as he can make shots when he's on, you know, is he another Joe Ingles or someone like that? You know, it's going to be just a really tough matchup for uh, for teams if he's bearing threes because he was doing that so effectively during the NCAA tournament. So uh, I'm intrigued by these guys. I want to follow how they do. And, you know, and obviously uh, they've been great with me in terms of, um, you know, uh, interviews over the years and everything. So, you know, I hope they succeed. Were you surprised with, uh, you know, particular players returning to uh, returning back to school? Uh, one in particular, Kofi Cockburn, you know, he was projected to be, top five in you know many drafts throughout you know the past season but were you were you surprised to see him uh withdraw from the draft yes because i really thought he was definitely going to stay in you know he still isn't totally ruled out going back to illinois as we're taping but um we'll see how it plays out uh you know i i love watching him he's obviously a tremendous talent um the nba has moved away like if this were x amount of years ago he would have been long gone because, you know, the NBA was much more physical in the, in the 80s and the 90s and early 2000s. And now it's changed where bigs are not, you know, people that just sort of stay in like that. So um, I think that, you know, Johnny Juzang, the reason I had UCLA won, had an unbelievable march, but obviously was not the guy leading up to that. Uh, and I think, you know, I talked to him in Chicago. I think he made a great choice of, of making sure that, um, you know, if I'm going to be a second round pick now, well, maybe I'm a second round pick unless I play better next year and I got a chance to win the national championship. And, you know, why not? Why not try to do, do that? I, I don't know his, I mean, I've seen his family, but, you know, obviously sometimes there are cases where, you know, a family needs money. So it doesn't matter. They're just going to go whether they're ready or not and this is a case where he's getting good advice that you know it's just better to to do the right thing for for his career which is try to maximize the college experience before he's off to the nba yeah i think we might see a bit more of that too as time goes on i hope anyway um but again that's one of those things that only time will tell so we'll, we'll keep our eyes out there too um talk with andy katz host of march madness among many other things college basketball expert Andy, the fun questions now. Uh, you're a Rhode Islander. You play a lot of golf up here. First of all, who's in uh, actually more? No, actually, actually, I gotta correct you. I gotta correct you. Uh, I barely play golf. I play really? Yes, yes. I belong to the tennis hall of fame. Uh, I barely play golf, so I gotta. Well, I gotta is, I, I'm curious now. Why is you know? I guess every time you play, you've got Kevin McNamara and Tim O'Shea tweeting it out and tagging you at least. So. I actually have not played yet this year. So, wow. Um, yes. If you had to, you. now, if you were to play, right, 
who is in your ideal foursome? Like when you do go out and play in Rhode Island here, like who's, who are you golfing with? Well, I got to just, I got to try to get on Newport country club. I'm not a member, but Johnny <laughs> call uh, has been so gracious to me. Uh, former URI player voice of URI as an analyst for years. He's a member of Newport country club. So I've gone with him uh, and he's been great to, uh, to invite me a couple of times over the last 10 years. So, now, you know Tim O'Shea from many years ago. Is is he the golfer that everyone says he is? Like, is he a legit golfer? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's better than me, but he's not like some tremendous golfer. Fair enough. Fair, that's, fair that's enough. That's good okay. enough. We'll take it. <laughs> so when you're not, you know, you don't golf, but you got to eat. So what are some of the top places in Rhode Island, whether it's Newport or Providence or wherever it might be, what are your hot spots, your go-to places to enjoy a nice meal? All right. So first my daughter flirted with being a vegan. Uh, I do like the food sometimes. So I'm a fan of plant city in Providence. Oh, yep. Um, uh, but for Italian, I'm very partial to pasta beach <sighs> in Newport. Very good and, selection. Um, right around that corner from my house is Scales and Shells, and I'm a big fan of the Sword Fingers mm. um, wow. for an app. So sometimes I'll just get the Sword Fingers almost like a meal. <laughs> that was a great list of Rhode Island. Uh, we asked yeah. like all our guests, you know, what's the Rhode Island yeah. spots? That was great. Nice. Yeah. So we interviewed. Uh, we I know interviewed. everyone because everyone usually gives you Federal Hill spots. Yeah. That's yeah. Fine, <laughs> but that seems very traditional. So. That's a no, that's a great list. I mean, we interviewed the founder of Plant City, Kim Anderson, and we've gone a couple of times, enjoy their stuff. We're not vegan, but they still offer great yeah. stuff. And I mean, yeah. Pasta Beach, yeah, you can never go wrong with Pasta Beach. So, what's your Pasta Beach order then? Uh, I, a lot of times I'll go with the, uh, the shrimp pesco pizza. Oh, yeah. Uh, my yeah. wife loves the, um, um, oh, I'm going to screw up the name. It's the hot mussels with the sauce and the dipping bread. Um, Something Damari. Uh, I can't remember. But anyway, you can't. It's their signature dish. Comes in a steeping hot pot with um, mussels and um, and like the you know the garlic bread to dip into the the red sauce. That's like a classic yeah, I mean, Italian. It is. Deal. It's so that. tough doing an interview at five thirty where I'm like, hmm, do I <laughs> yeah. do I go out <laughs> to eat right now or am I cooking? Yeah. So <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> um. So. Andy, I guess to, to close out, what are you, this has been a wild ride for you. I'm sure this past year or so with, you know, you're going out here every weekend and every, almost every day to do something, you know, whether it's be on air physically or, um, you know, going out to practice or talking to coaches and players, you, you had that totally disrupted this past year. So in 2021 and 22, what are you looking forward to most? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, I was very fortunate that Turner put in a home studio in my house in January pre-pandemic and I was there basically in my basement a lot for the last year um so I'm you know, what I experienced in Chicago the combine I'm thrilled to hopefully continue to do which is to interview people in person um it just makes you appreciate it even more because it was taken away so that's what I'm looking forward to uh going forward is is going out there going to games and seeing people in person and let's do over under 55% we see you at a Bryant game this year. Um, you could be honest with us. We won't be hurt. Uh, probably under. Oh, all right. There's still a chance. There's still, <laughs> <laughs> there's still a chance. 
Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this was Andy Katz. We thank you so much for joining the show. Great, great conversation. Uh, before we let you go, where can our listeners find you, engage with your content, follow you along on social media? The floor is yours to uh, let us know where they can, can interact with you. Uh, at the Andy Katz on Twitter. Um, what's my Instagram? Is it real Andy Katz? I think somebody, I, there was another Andy Katz. And then obviously all the March Madness social media handles, like to network, probably the most active that I do social media is official March Madness. And so those are the main spots right now. Cool. Andy, thanks so much. Uh, I'm sure we'll see you on the trail, at, you know, whether it's PC or at the garden sometime or, or some college basketball game, uh, we'll be keeping up with your content. And uh, of course, best of luck to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Always welcome. All right. Thanks guys. And that was just Andy Katz. Wonderful interview, right? As the NBA season concludes and the draft is coming up, new college, uh, New college hoops that you know everything's going to be start starting up come the fall. We're going to get some schedules pretty soon. We're going to get some schedules. We're going to get. We're already seeing games being released. Uh, We're already seeing the Power Thirty Six by Andy Katz. This is uh is it's coming along. Basketball back. Hope we can put some asses in the seats this year. Andy is. I hope I see him at URI Bryant this year though. That would be nice. Andy Katz. Yeah. No. Anything he might go to URI Bryant, but maybe not Bryant. He is going to uh hey. Don't sleep on the dogs. I know. Don't sleep on the dogs, according to uh, Andy Katz. But we got a lot more balls to talk about. Yes, Not we just do. college basketball, all different types of sports. But before we get into that, let's talk to you about Goalie Gummy. You've heard it here before in the show. We have partnered up with Goalie. They have created a new way, a more flavorful way, to take those disgusting apple cider vinegar shots. Goalie Gummies. Two shots of uh, those apple cider vinegars in one gummy. They are full of vitamins. They help with your digestion. They help with weight control, weight loss, skin care, whatever you need. They are just full and flavorful. Great, great Goldie gummies. We take them, the BBB podcast. They've given us a couple bottles. They're part of our regular routine, and it is awesome. No more of that disgusting apple cider vinegar shots. No one wants that. Take the gummies. Go to their website, goalie.com. That's G O L I. Dot com and use the code the BBB pod T H E B B B P O D get 10% off. They're doing a ton of additional sales too. You can get multiple bottles, whether it's one or for your whole month or whole for the uh, whole year. They have a bunch of different packages. Go over to goalie.com and use our code. All right, let's get into balls rapid fire because we have well, we had a long conversation with Andy, which is nice, but there's a lot going on. Oh, yeah, and let's do like a, a quick take. On what's going on with these, uh, and then we'll just move right on. So, NBA Finals, um, it's 2-1. Phoenix Suns are up. We've got potentially four more games left. What do we think about the NBA Finals so far? Loving it. The Suns, they're not going to do it in four. We've talked about it. I think the Bucks are going to take one, if not two. Suns in six. They are much more superior. Let's get CP through a ring. I think... The Bucks suck on defense. I'm just going to say it. I think that they have looked like shit. I don't know if it's Chris Paul being great and Devin Booker being great or everyone else sucking. I think they're getting lazy. Um, Phoenix wins out. Mm-hmm. Let's put that in Sharpie, both of those. Yep. Of us will be wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> Next up, we got McGregor versus Poirier. Uh, the trilogy, that was going to be a great fight. They were... Going back and forth, I mean, Poirier definitely had the advantage. 
And then all of a sudden, crack, snap, pop. Oh, don't, don't say that. McGregor breaks his ankle, his fibula. Oh. I think it was his fibula. Um, fight ended. Trash talking continued. McGregor has his surgery today. Uh, gruesome stuff, but that was the more anticipated fight that fell a little bit short to expectations. McGregor, or Poirier says that he broke his ankle or his leg In a because check. he checked it. Because Poirier checked it. And McGregor's like, he didn't fucking check it. Your wife's in my DMs, bro. That was out of pocket. <laughs> was. That was out of pocket. He, and he's not wrong. His wife was in his DMs. Out of pocket. It was out of pocket, though. That's uh, I. Here's my hot take. I think he's right. I don't know. We're gonna yeah. have to look at the. We're gonna have to look at the video. But his leg snapped, dude. That's bad. So bad. Um, moving right on. Scripps spe- Scripps spelling B uh, was on ESPN two the other night. Wild. Um, good TV. Uh, it was Zayla Avant Garde that won. And holy shit, this girl is awesome. She is fourteen years old, eighth grade. In her last year of eligibility. She literally won a spelling bee, and now she's going to go play basketball. Yeah, like, she <laughs> hold. She is the current three-time Guinness World Record wow Guinness World Record holder for uh, most consistent dribbles with multiple balls. She is been featured on a uh, sneaker commercial with Steph Curry, and she has the entire world tweeting about her. She was playing with them at the very end. She knew. She knew the word Marie. She knew it. <laughs> Maria. She knew it. Yes, she knew it. But incredible, incredible stuff. She ended up going to the ESPYs later that weekend. I mean, she is living it up, and we will be seeing her in the WNBA and dominating college sports. Yes, very, we very soon. Will good for Zayla. That is sick. Um, Italy. Here it is. Is it coming Rome or it's coming home? It is coming, coming Rome. Rome. Italy has defeated England in the Euros. And there, first of all, there are like riots in the street everywhere. Italy is, the, the, the Italian fans came out in full force. They almost lit up the North End tonight in Boston. That was so Forza cool for Italia. Federal Hill was going crazy. Yeah. You can hear it from the apartment. People were cheering. People were going crazy. They upset England at Wembley in front of royalty, in front of celebrities. Wow, it is coming, Rome. That's some great stuff for Italy. Tough loss for England, but that's bad for we England. Move on. We England, move on. the soccer capital of the the world, so they say, and they get upset by Italy. Um, Italy's back. Italy. Italy is looks good back. after some grueling years after they won that World Cup. You know, of of being good right at the doorstep, and finally they're here again. Uh, that is awesome to see. Yeah. And Heading back to the United yes. States, though, we're going to uh, we're going to look into the MLB draft. Really quick, big hitters. Um, the number one pick it was Henry Davis, the catcher out of Louisville, very expected for the Pirates. But at number two, the sneak shot by the Rangers projected a bunch of different players, and they got the Vanderbilt stud. Jack Leiter. Thank God. Thank God, because the Red Sox were going. To, they were projected him for months, months. They were mm. going to get Jack Leiter. Mm-hmm. The Rangers did us a solid. Thank you. But checking in on those Red Sox at the four spot, they picked up Marcelo Mayer. He's a shortstop out of East Lake High School in California. He's the number one prospect in the high school class. Um, he's no Leiter, but it is definitely a position that you can look for in the future. So. It's going to get 7 million bucks here. almost. Mm-hmm. It's exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. Checking uh, in on the Mets, though. They got another Vanderbilt pitcher as well. Uh, they got, what is it, Kumar Rocker? Kumar Rocker. That was a great steal for them. And then rounding it up with the Yankees. 
I mean, he got drafted by the name alone. Trey Sweeney. I'm here for it. Trey Sweeney, possible third baseman of the future. Very, very highly touted. He was excited. Let's go. Let's get to work. I'm all for it. I am too, and they need help. I wish you could play now. Fucking put him in the majors. Have him take somebody's job. Give it to me. Give me Austin Wells, Jason Dominguez, <laughs> Jason Derulo, and Trey Sweeney as the future 2026. Let's go, Yanks. I love it. I went out of order, so you can do this next. You can start us at MLB All Stars. Ah, uh, the MLB All Stars. There is some trouble in paradise with the MLB All Stars. Uh, a lot of players, a lot of talented players. I mean, Garrett Cole, uh, Aaron Judge, um, Vladimir Jr., uh, Fernando Tatis. You name it. There is a ton of talent with the NBA, the uh, MLB All Stars. Excuse me. But a lot of people have withdrawn. Um, there has been, I think, ten or eleven players withdrawing from the. All-Star game? Oh my god, yeah, there's a lot. It is. I'm trying to find the direct list of I see Trout, Bieber, Presley, Buster Posey, Ronald Acuna, who uh, that sucks, by the way. He's towards ACL. Um, I think complete tear, right? Something like that. Complete tear. Uh Hugh Darvish, DeGrom, Kevin Gosman, Brandon Woodruff. Altuve's out, Correa's out, Brantley's out. Oh man, Yadi Molina's out because he they picked him as a reserve and then he's like, nah, fuck this. Yeah, Mookie's out. Kyle Schwarber's still hurt. That's a lot of guys. Yeah, that is uh not not good. A lot of players. I mean, some were injuries, some were just hey, it's not the smart move to go. Surprisingly, the Astros. Nobody wanted to take a trip. For I them, wonder why. But wonder oh, we're not going to get into that that's still an open wound for the yankee fans mm-hmm. uh so let's close it off i mean team usa basketball uh we're still in the midst of the nba and devin booker and chris middleton and drew holiday cannot make it to the team yet but they're trying to get some you know some looks on the court they're trying to stay fresh they played nigeria um headlined by uh who else, who's on that team precious uh precious achua mia Yoni. um let's see what else? happened here who the fuck is Gabe Vincent? Gabe Vincent went <laughs> off. Uh, what is it? Ek <laughs> Ek Iganadu. Uh, Rogbu, I think. Rogbu. Rogbu. Um, Glasses aren't on. Either way, <laughs> the USA. That was a tough, eye-opening loss. I mean, they went like thirty percent at the three-point line. It looked like just like a lot of players playing their own ball. They were not gelling as a team. No. It was. Uh, it was just not pretty. It was, it was not bad. pretty. We can say bad, yeah. This um, team is destined for gold, and it needs to uh, look to uh, making those fixes soon and, and start playing together, and that's on pop, too. It is. Gabe Vincent is on the heat, I guess, and he, yeah, he had like four minutes a game this year uh, in the playoffs, 13 minutes a game regular season, and he drops 21 on the U.S. I mean, uh, that ain't good. Durant, Tatum, <laughs> Lillard, Bam, Levine, Draymond, they all did not have any or uh, not as many points as Gabe Vincent. So Gabe Vincent's the leading scorer of this game. That ain't good. <laughs> Embarrassing. Uh, a lot of guys that are just like on this team for the hell. Yeah, okay, love. Poor Kevin Love. Three minutes and one second he played in this game. Oh, oh he's no. got a lot of hate, my friend. Mm-hmm. It he's, is. Uh, you told me that he's getting a shit ton of hate on social media. A lot of hate. Well, not directly him, but just like Team USA for picking him, and it's just. Uh, ugh. 
it's it's not good. No. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, three minutes and one point is not appealing either. So that's what's going on in sports. Lo- loaded week for July. I'll take this. Um, we're gonna have we're, the conversation's not over on name, image, and likeness. So like we were talking about with Andy. And uh, we've got a lot left to talk about um, as far as college sports goes. Let's finish with some positivity corner. And this country is working less. And it appears to be working for everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Iceland. Iceland in Europe open to Americans as of recent. So yeah. keep that in the back of your mind. But they recently tested a four-day work week where employees were more productive and happier the report states. So they started these uh, trials back in 2015, and it involved around 2,500 workers, which is about 1% of the nation's working population. But they chose people who were working more than 40 hours a week. They bumped them down to 35 hours a week and allowed them to have a three-day weekend. So they got a ton of results that they recently released that people were happy about the flexibility they were happy about you know getting the three-day weekend and enjoying time with family and friends or being able to travel again and go outside and in more recent times but people were loving the four-day weeks and it is something that a lot of places should consider a lot of startups are and high-tech companies and i mean for your workforce to be much happier much more productive getting that third day that's something very very important that don't be surprised, especially with all this work remote stuff uh, sticking around that will uh, possibly become a thing. I think that this remote work is going to drive it over the edge in the U.S. I think we need a couple of years, and I think we need some big companies to say, all right, we're going to try this out. If you want to work four days a week, you can, like Google yeah. or Amazon or Facebook. One of them is realistically going to have to say that for it to work, but I think it can. I mm-hmm. see no reason why it can't. Um, it's working, and other countries have tried this too, and they've said, yeah, the results are overwhelmingly great. So maybe it's a pandemic that pushes us over the finish line. Yeah. Um, that's all we've got. We've got some cool stuff in the pipeline. Um, let's give a shout-out to our friends at Squad Locker, and we've got some stores operational right now. If you go to our website, house-enterprise.com, you hit the Merch tab up on the top, you can get a link to all of our stores. We've got some interesting stuff. Very cool house brewing company, bottle logo. Of course, our logo, a drink, lo- uh, drink local, and then a house enterprise Olympics um, concept, basically. And, um, you know, Squad Locker's running a ton of good deals. I got some codes to get like 10 or 20% off my order the other day. Um, very cool stuff from our friends at a Rhode Island startup in Squad Locker. Yeah, so shout out to Erica Mason, former co worker. Um, who connected us squad locker is great great stuff they have grown over the past decade to this incredible business model they're not only helping local businesses and brands but local athletes uh the providence pirates the the, uh, franchise we are very very familiar with they use squad locker they have some great products and it's so easy for us if you see something you like please let us know we appreciate any items that you purchase if there's something that you want included whether it's a different color shirt or a type of clothing or a different brand we can get you covered and get that put on the site they're super helpful super flexible so shout out squad ladder and the merch is great i mean we are going to be showcasing that stuff next week. The stuff should start coming in, so look for pictures. But check out the website. And again, thank you to Squad Locker. Yeah, and this, like, if you have, the listener has 
a need to make merch for some reason, if you have a brand or this is the place to do it, hit them up. It's very cool. You know, it's a very good model. Um, you know, you don't have to keep the problems are like inventory and screen printing and all that shit, which we don't really know anything about. And it's good to have a partner that does. Um, and that'll work with you to, to make it profitable for you. So mm-hmm. really good stuff from uh, an awesome Rhode Island start at the rank number one in Rhode Island uh, as of recently in a recent poll. Great customer service. Yeah, they're really good. Very, very helpful. Very talented designers. The site's super friendly. I mean, shout out to Squad Locker yet again. Great stuff. Check out the store. Agreed. Um, going to tease some house athletes here? Are we going to... What do you want to do? Do we, do we tell the world? We got a couple things in the pipeline, folks. <laughs> yeah. couple things in the pipeline. Like Jake mentioned earlier in the show, name image likeness, NIL, is a hot topic in today's society. Uh, it is blowing up college sports. It's blowing up the media world. And we're hopping on that train. We are hopping on that train, introducing house athletes, house enterprise athletes. More information to come on the process and the procedure but we are hopping in to mm-hmm. sports marketing. Welcome to the show. House Enterprise Athletes. Follow along for the journey. Clubfoot Jim, our guy. Number one. We'll be bringing him back on. Clubfoot Jim. Twitch. Clubby GG. Clubby GG, baby. James Moss. Fairfield University. Master's program. Track and field. Athlete. Number one. Give him a round of applause. Insert applause, uh, stock audio or whatever we've got. Uh, that is all we've got for episode 54. Uh, join us for episode 55. We're going to have, uh, again, this name, image, and likeness conversation is not over. Really good guests. Um, and then some beer, too. Of course, we've got some brewers coming up. So you don't want to miss it. Uh, thanks for listening. Find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Will and I am Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy. Take it easy.